0: this thing. so if I get to preaching in my root system y'all gonna be all right with that today if I if I go back to my roots a little bit all right Psalm 145 and verse number 16 and then we're gonna go to Luke chapter 6 and verse 6 Psalm 145 and verse number 16 the Bible says when you open your hand you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing when you open your what when you open your hand you satisfy say this with me when he opens his hand he satisfies Mm. Luke chapter 6 verse number 6 and it came to pass also on another sabbath that Jesus entered into the synagogue and talked. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And looking round about them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth your hand and he did so and his hand was restored whole as the other I'm going to preach a message today called simply stretch say that to three people around you stretch and let us pray as we enter into this word Ben welcome home man it's good to see Ben Gray in church today welcome home brother father have your way This morning, anoint the preacher to preach things he didn't study to say and help the people to hear things that the preacher does not say. We break every generational curse and we dismiss every generational spirit. Save somebody today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Restore someone, refresh someone, revive someone, but do what you want to do. We just want to be on your agenda in Jesus' name. One more time, will you give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords one big praise today? Nudge your neighbor with your elbow and tell them it's on in the building right now. Amen. You may be seated. A hundred years ago, there was a decade known as the Roaring Twenties, right? The Roaring Twenties. It was referred to as a decade of hope. It was a time of widespread prosperity. It was a season of recovering from devastation in our nation. And it was known as a decade, a decade of prosperity. As I was studying 2020, Rachel, we thank God for your healing. Y'all excuse me, I'm going to have my way in this building today because I'm going to be speaking to people. People are going to get set free today. I realized that the 20th letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the word kaph, K-A-P-H, and it means the open palm or the open hand, denoting the idea that when the hand is turned downward and is open, that that is a season of impartation or the laying on of hands. I've learned something that you can't impart something to people that you are not in relationship with. And today there's going to be a divine impartation from heaven for you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So, when we talk about the hand of God, it is manifest in many diverse ways in Scripture. For example, the first time we find the hand of God at work, it is not mentioned. The hand is not mentioned. Because in creation, everything that God created, He created with His word. He said, Let there be and there was but when it came to man the bible says he formed him from the dust of the earth so we find the hand of god at work all through scripture that the bible says in the book of exodus chapter 6 that god will redeem us with an outstretched hand right we find that in the book of second or first kings chapter 19 that elijah is praying and he says go up and to his servant, says, tell me what you see. He goes up seven times and comes back with the same answer. There is nothing. But the seventh time he came back, he said, I see something. And it looks like a hand. On, Elijah now says, gird up your loins because I hear the sound of abundance. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sound of abundance. When he opens his hand, he satisfies the hungry. When he opens his hand, he satisfies the thirsty. When the hand of God gets involved, there's an abundant supply that is coming your way. Now, I believe that 2020 is a year that we're going to see the hand of God in operation in ways that we've not seen in a very, very long time. It's important that you recognize the power that is in the hand of God and relate to the psalmist as he says As the hand of the servant looks to the hand of the master, or the heart of the servant looks to the hand of his master, so do we look toward you, O God. So it is time for the church to turn our attention toward God's hand because his hand is about to do incredible things for the body of Christ. Now let's go to our text today in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 6. And the Bible says it came to pass also on another Sabbath which means Jesus had a way of being in the synagogue on every Sabbath. So this was the next Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the what? Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. The scribes and Pharisees, when they're mentioned in the New Testament, epitomize religion. Scribes and Pharisees, when they're mentioned in in the New Testament, always epitomize religion. The Pharisees would walk with their phylacteries dragging the ground, denoting the idea that they had memorized the Pentateuch, and now they had a hierarchy of understanding and education concerning God or theology, the study of God. Hmm. That's how religious people always act. Like they know just a little bit more than you know. So when I was reading this, I thought, religion is always doing two things. The same things these Pharisees and scribes are doing in this story. They are watching and accusing. Religion always does two things. It watches and it accuses. It's looking for fault in order to point a finger. Religion is an awful thing in relation to self-righteousness. True religion, we know what that is, but we're not talking about that kind of religion. We're talking about self-righteous piety where people feel superior to other people. The Bible says be very careful when you think you stand lest she fall Hmm. so they see this man and they're watching Jesus to see if they can find accusation against him this man is very interesting Matthew talks about this man Mark talks about this man and they both agree that the man has a withered hand but Luke is a little bit different because Luke is a doctor. So Luke is going to look at the details of the ailment. So when Luke describes the story, he says it's specifically his right hand that is withered. That got my attention. And I start studying the right hand in Scripture. Right hand always represents authority, strength, and production. Say those words with me. Authority, strength, and production. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, watch now, When he raised him from the dead and set him where? At his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now watch. The right hand is far above all principality. The right hand is far above all power and all might and all dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. The right hand is the place of authority, strength, and production. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Have you ever heard the phrase, my right hand man? Your right hand man is the man you invest trust in. Right? The right hand in Scripture, specifically the right hand of God in Scripture, is mentioned 166 times the right hand, the place of authority, strength, and production. So Luke says it's not just either hand that is withered, but it is right hand that is withered, which means this man now is unproductive. He has no authority, and he has lost his strength. And he's in the synagogue. I started looking at the right hand. And I realized how attached God is to the right hand. Psalm forty-one, thirteen: I am the Lord your God who takes hold of not your hand but who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. God is attached to the right hand. Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Sit at my what? Right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Some of you have been telling the enemy back up. Let me help you with this. Every time the enemy attacks, God is going to take the force of his attack and make it a footstool for your promotion. Every time the enemy comes in, God is going to exalt you to another level. Are y'all in the building? Far above principalities, powers, and rulers. Revelation 5, 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. Revelation 5, 7. And he went, the, the lamb went and took the scroll From the right hand of him who sat on the throne. The right hand carries revelation. The right hand carries the secrets of God. The right hand can only be unrolled. The scroll in the right hand can only be unveiled by the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. There are secrets for you that God is holding in his hand. He is going to move in this building today. You're going to receive revelation. Lift your right hand. You're going to receive revelation because it's your right. Throw that right hand up and say, I'm going to get mine. Because it's my right. It belongs to me. All right. Genesis chapter 48, verse 14. The Bible says that Jacob is about to bless Manasseh and Ephraim. And when he goes to put his right hand on Ephraim, The Bible says, or on Manasseh, the Bible says he crossed his hands up and he put his right hand on Ephraim instead of Manasseh because God always knows how to get the right hand in the place that it's supposed to be. The enemy has tried to trick some of you, but God is about to throw the switch up on the devil. I hope you don't miss that. Some of you have thought that God missed you, But I came by to tell you, God does not miss what belongs to his right hand. And if you are a sanctified, blood-bought, spirit-filled believer, then you belong to the right hand of God. Somebody shout it again. I'm going to get mine. But the Bible says the right hand was withered. It means dry. It's a picture of a plant that is deprived of its natural flow. I hope you didn't miss that right there. It's withered. It's a picture of a plant that has been deprived of its natural flow. So if the hand is withered, it no longer operates naturally. It is unnatural in everything it does. The probability is high that this guy has been doing things that are not natural to him. Because the majority of the people are right-handed. So the likelihood of Jesus even addressing the right hand means this guy needed the right hand. Which means if his right hand is withered, his power, his strength, his production, and his authority is gone. He's been operating in an unnatural way. (laughs) He's making it but not at the normal rate of speed. Jesus finds this man in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He could have found this man anywhere, but he finds him in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Let me tell you about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the day that God sits back and enjoys everything he completed. Are y'all with me? Now the Bible says this guy's in the synagogue on the Sabbath and his hand is withered. The second definition in the Greek of the word withered means this, to be left out, to be left out in the sun in order to be scorched. In other words, misplaced or in the wrong place. Now I start realizing as I'm studying this, Josh, this is an issue of environment. This is an issue of environment. Jesus is saying you cannot be in the synagogue on the Sabbath with a shriveled hand. You are in the right place at the right time. I know you feel dried up, I know you feel left out, but you are in the right place at the right time. It's the Sabbath. I did not come in this synagogue to enjoy things that I've completed while having to look at you being incomplete. So I'm about to do something for you so that I can enjoy you because you're not left out anymore. Now you're included in the environment that I have created for me to enjoy. Now, You're starting to understand. It ain't about you now. It's something about God. It's something about Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm uncomfortable with you being in this atmosphere and everything not being all right. Are y'all in the building? Withered, the final definition, means to shrink back, which means if it means to shrink back, that means one day it was operating normally. Normally. That something happened to make it shrink back. I've learned something about people. When people go through stuff, they either go forward or they go backward. You go through an experience, and either, either it launches you forward or it makes you pull back, it makes you shrink back. Hebrews tells me in chapter 10, verse 38 But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrink back, this is God speaking. My soul shall have no pleasure with him. That's strong. But we are not of them that shrink back, but of them that have faith unto the saving of the soul. Some of you have shrunk back. You're in a season where you are shrinking back. I have come in this building today with an anointing of the Holy Ghost to tell you, you are not like that. That is not who you are. God did not make you to be weak, to be withered, to be pulling back, to be letting go. No, you are about to receive an infusion of the power of the Holy Ghost that says, I'm about to come out of this condition. I'm tired of pulling back. People hurt my feelings, I pull back. Things don't happen right, I pull back. Bad experience, I pull back. But today you brought your withered condition to the right house for everything that's been going in reverse in your life is about to be turned around and you're about to be launched forward into your prophetic future because you are not like that. You are not like that. You are not weak. You are not weak. You are not of those that swing back. You are not of those that back up. You are not of those that say, I give up. No, you do not give up. You have faith. You believe God. You have strength. God's not done with you yet. So I came to tell you, no more shrinking back. Tell three people around you, no more shrinking back. No more. No more in the name of Jesus. So watch this now. Verse 8. Woo. But Jesus knew religion's thoughts. And said to the man who shrank back, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he rose and stood forth. Jesus is looking for somebody that he can put on display. That religion has already said, you're done. It's over. Or they have said, I don't want to partake anymore. I don't want to put my hand in it anymore. I don't want to be involved anymore. And Jesus said, rise up. Now you have to do proper study in the word of God. The etymology is like this right here. Rise up means arouse yourself from a sitting position. Lord have mercy. In other words, change your level. Y'all didn't hear that right there. Change Say it with me. Change your level. When you're sitting down, you're seeing everything at the bottom. When you're sitting down, you're sitting in a place of depression. And God is saying, rise up and stand forth. Everyone say, rise up. Change your level. Here's what I've learned. If you're going to change your level of living you have to change your level of thinking. Say it again, Pastor Rick. If you're going to change your level of living, you have to change your level of thinking. Stop thinking of yourself as a nobody, shrinking back, things are getting worse, things are declining, things are descending. No. No. In the name of Jesus, change your mind and say this with me, I shall arise. And that's why Micah told the enemy, do not gloat over me, O my enemy, when I have fallen, because I shall yet arise. And some of you have been waiting for this day, and I came by to tell you this is your comeback day. This is a day you look at the devil and you say, you know what, you have backed me up in this corner long enough, but I'm about to come out this thing. Swinging, I'm about to rise. Shout it again, rise up. Change your level, rise. Come on, the, this, here's what it means. Come on the scene and be effective again. Get back on the scene and be effective again. Return to your significant place. Return to prominence in your purpose. Stand forth. Stand forth. Or stand in the presence of others. Now, here's the thing. Jesus could have healed this man in private. Some of y'all are wanting a miracle from God, but you're wanting him to do it in your bedroom. And God's saying, no, I'm going to do this one right in front of everybody because I'm looking for somebody that's willing to say, God, you can use me. Just change me wherever you want to change me, but change me. And God is about to do something in front, of, in front of everybody that's been watching, including religion, to say you're done. The devil who said you're done. Other people who know you and think you are disqualified. You ought to throw your hands up and shout, I'm coming back in Jesus' name. I'm regaining my prominence. Say it. I'm regaining my prominence in Jesus' name. Say this with me. I'm returning to significance. In Jesus' name, the word stand forth. When Jesus said stand forth, boy, it's a wonderful connotation when you read it because it has this idea of sustaining you, continuing for an extended period without interruption. God is about to bring you, and some of you have been in a season of being sustained. On that keyboard, there's a sustain pedal. If Gino just hits the note and lets go, It's going to end when he lets go. But if he holds the sustain pedal down and hits the note, the note is going to ring as long as he has the sustain pedal down. And God is telling you, I have kept you. I have sustained you. You weren't even trying. You weren't even doing your best, and I was sustaining you. You weren't even praying like you know you ought to pray, but I was sustaining you. I kept you in a sustained position. And if I wouldn't have done it, the interruptions of life would have destroyed you. But I told you I'm going to keep you. I'm going to preserve you. Even when you wasn't praying, you wasn't doing right, you were not li- but I kept you because I'm a God that preserves my purpose in the earth. And God said, I have sustained you. But here's what the Lord told me. The Lord said, I'm about to move my people From them being sustained. You're coming out of a season of being sustained. Y'all better hear me now. You're coming out of a season of being sustained where God sustained you. He kept you. And God says, all right, now it's your turn. You're about to transition from a season of God sustaining you to a season of stretching. Somebody shout, I'm ready for my move. Now watch. And looking round about them all, he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as the other one. Lord, help me, Holy Ghost. Hmm. There's so much here to preach. Let me just say this to you. The Bible does not say that Jesus restored his hand and then he stretched it forward. Did y'all hear that right there, Kevin? He didn't say Jesus restored his hand and then he stretched it, no. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And when he stretched, he was restored. Here's what the Holy Ghost told me to tell you, you are too comfortable. I'm I'm not talking about just Quest Church, I'm talking about Christianity. We are too comfortable. We got the best teaching we've ever had in the history of the church, best music. Now we got lights and smoke and teachings and podcasts and Facebook messages and live videos and streaming faith and everything else you can imagine. We got it made in the shade and we are too comfortable. When I approached this pulpit in the preface of my message this morning, I told you, do you remember the day when there was travail in the church? Till we prayed, we prayed until something happened. We didn't come to Saturday prayer to say, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes and be out of here. And many preachers will tell you it's, it's the quality of your prayer, not the quantity of your prayer. Well, I dare to differ because Jesus himself said, could you not pray with me for one that tells me a minimum of prayer time ought to be an hour well, see, it's getting quiet because no preachers lean on you no more. No preachers stand before you and tell you you are too dead gum comfortable. You are too comfortable. You call the church office, you get what you want. You, anything you just it's all about make me comfortable, make me comfortable. but what you going to do when the Holy Ghost says no? I done sustained you long enough. Now it's time for you to stretch. I'm gonna preach this for the next, probably right on up to Good Friday. Because the Lord has really spoken to me about these things and told me it's time for his people to stretch. Boys, quiet. You know why? When it gets quiet like that, I know I'm all in your address, and you are you are mm-hmm. kill me? Talk to me like that, Pastor Rick. "mm, I'm good. I'm good. When his hand is withered, it tells me a lot. Hmm. Jesus sees something closed that should be open. I guarantee you, none of you are in this building unless you're really mad at me right now with a clenched fist. of you have your hand open. You know why? Because it's a natural position for your hand to be open. Closing your hand is a reaction. Jesus sees something that is closed that should be open. You know how hard it is to preach to closed people? Hard to preach to closed people. Closed people think they know more than the preacher knows. So they don't come to listen, they come to judge. They don't come to, to receive, they come to speculate. Is he saying it right? Is he is he really doing is he and, and it's more of not just receiving and hearing, but is you thinking you're a teacher? Saying now that scripture really means, and you whisper it to your wife. Now, well, that, that, that. <laughs> you wanna know, be really cool if you came here one day and realized who's holding the microphone. <laughs> really, that'd be really cool, right? Because right now, I'm speaking, and guess what you're doing? You either listening or judging. Clothes ain't never welcome in the sanctuary. Clothes was never welcome in the synagogue. Jesus went into the synagogue after returning from the wilderness, sat down in the temple, and unrolled, he opened the scroll of Isaiah. He walks into the synagogue in Luke chapter 13, and there was a woman bent over, closed for 18 years from a spirit of infirmity. Jesus called her to himself. And what did he say? The spirit to the spirit of infirmity. Loose her. What does that mean? Open her up. You ain't got no business in my house being closed. Now, I need to know if there's any open people in the building. When you sang that song this morning, I knew it's the Holy Ghost right here. God is about to open you. I dare you to throw your hand open right now and say, I'm ready to receive. Yeah, so it's natural. Can I finish this for your hand to be open? So when you are closed, you are like a fist. Nothing can get in. But here's what's worse. Nothing can get out. Nothing can get in. Nothing can get out. Study it in the Greek. The word stretch means to yearn for. Or to long for. Or to reach for. It means to want it again. You know what the Holy Ghost showed me? A congregation of people that says, you know what? I've been closed long enough. I want it. I want it again. You ain't going to get nothing that you don't reach for. You're not going to get anything that you don't yearn for. You're not going to receive a thing that you don't desire. And it's time for us to get our yearning back. Our heart for God that says As the deer panteth after the water brook, So panteth my soul After thee O God I long for you I yearn for you To where worship leaders fall on their knees And cry out to God Because they're not trying to entertain you They're trying to reach for the heart Of the Father And all oh, for a church That would say God we are here To reach for you I dare you to throw your hands up and stretch your hands toward the Father and say, Lord, I yearn for you. High five somebody and t- shout it one more time. I want it again. I want it again. I want. You remember how you felt when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? you remember how it felt when you had the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in your bosom? Do you remember how it felt when you would fall down and pray in tongues for 30 minutes? Do you want it? So Jesus says, stretch. It has to do with reach. It has to do with scope. It has to do with range. <laughs> I've learned this. I walked in my office the other day, and uh, my son-in-law was in there with Crystal. I walked in Crystal's office, and Justin was in there. I'm talking to Crystal. Just, we're just having a father-daughter conversation, and her husband's standing here. Now, Justin is there. Crystal's sitting at her desk, and I'm here. Right, Isaiah? And then all of a sudden, Justin's leaning against the wall and Justin just bends over and puts his palms on the ground. (laughs) I look at him. I said, did you just put your hands on the ground? He said, yes, sir. I said, huh, you challenging me? So I backed up against the wall. I said, you can't do this in front of my daughter. And I went just like this. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I can't stretch no more than that right there. And he said, I've been spending 20 minutes a day just stretching. And I think that's where this whole message was born. And then God got a way of confirming things. Yesterday we we're doing the connection breakfast. I walk in, I'm talking to Eric and a few guys, and Jackson walks in. Josh's little boy. How old is Jack? Six. And you know Jackson's just happy about everything. He's just happy to be here, you know? And Jackson walks in and he goes, "Hi, Pastor Rick." I say, "Hi, Jackson." And he says, "Watch this." Whoop, does a split. I said, get up off the floor, boy. Go get you a biscuit. It was like the Holy Ghost was saying, no, you're going to preach on this. Every time I turn around, something is being stretched. Kids and things. And I realized that when Justin showed me that, that stretching reduces the chances of tearing stuff. Did you hear that? When God stretches you, he's reducing the chance of injury. Even though it's painful. Can I give you a word? All pain is not injury. Quit acting like every time you go through a little pain in life, oh my God. Oh my God, I better shrink back. That hurts. Pastor didn't shake my hand today. Oh, I'm just being facetious. But all pain is not injury. Say that, say that with me. All pain is not injury. Right. Because you feel pain, it could be, could be, could be God stretching you. I'll say that again. The pain you feel could be God stretching you. He's not injuring you. He's stretching you. And it's painful to stretch. If you don't believe me, go home and try it. <laughs> Matter of fact, everybody stand up right now. Come on, stand up right now. Now just reach down there and try to touch your toes. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. Yeah. Look at the person next to you and see how they doing. Yeah. See, and here's my point. <laughs> here's my point. How you doing, Ryan? Let me see it, Ryan. Come on. Yeah, see, that, that's pretty good, buddy. I'm going to show you mine right here. Kneecap. Kneecap stretch. Now, Now watch this. The point I'm making is everybody can't stretch to the same degree. And the reason is, some people have been working on it. Other people have not. And when you don't keep stretching, you start shrinking. Is this practical enough for you? So here's what stretching does. It increases motion. It's when God is dealing with your flexibility. Come on in the building, Holy Ghost. Stretching removes stiffness. When you quit stretching in God to the point that you're uncomfortable, it's very likely you're going to become what the Bible calls a stiff necked person. <laughs> stretching improves your posture. The word position is a derivative of posture. When you stretch, you're making yourself available to change position. Some of you are wondering why you're not changing position in life. It's because you refuse to stretch. Wow. I learned this the other day. I, I preached this little bit of this message in San Antonio last week, and a coach came up to me afterwards. He said, can I talk to you by stretching? I said, no. No. He said, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Most, most people think you just fall out there and stretch. He said, if you just try to stretch right now, with all your might, you're going to hurt yourself. He said, it's better to stretch after you're warmed up. I've learned something. A church that ain't on fire, a church that ain't hot, hard to stretch them. The zeal of the Lord, the word is heat, has eaten me up. Heat, zeal for your house has consumed me. You show me a church that's not on fire, and I'll show you a church that can't stretch. Why do we spend so much time about dedication and praise and being involved in worship and prayer? We're warming you up. Because God is about to stretch you. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. Now watch what the Bible says. And he did so. Man, I didn't realize it was that late. Have I been preaching that long or service going that long? Is this my fault? Hmm. He didn't restore the hand till it was stretched forth. Now because of, yeah, we're going to stretch the service a little bit. Now because of what you have done. I just leave that alone because if I stay there. Now watch this, you know you're gonna like this. If his right hand is withered, and he's operating with his left hand, and he had to learn to operate with his left hand, then when his right hand is healed, what is he? He's ambidextrous. Y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all missed that right there. He had to learn to operate handicapped. But when he got the left good, Jesus said, now you are ready for your right what some of you do not realize is your stretch is about to turn you into a double portion person your stretch is about to give you double the capability your stretch is about to give you double. tell somebody i got two coming at you not one and i got two coming at you because of what i've been through in order to make me like that but now god said stretch it back out and watch what he says It was restored as the other one. It was restored as the other one, which means this one was fully operating like it was that one. If you want to be whole, get around wholeness. If you want to know how to live right, live around people that are living right. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? If you want to see what wholeness feels like, live around people that are whole. Lord, have mercy. I'll leave it. I'll leave it right there. Psalm 143, verse 6 says, "I will stretch forth my hands unto you, O Lord." You will never know the range of your assignment until you are stretched. You will never understand the scope of your purpose until you are stretched. You will never know how far you can reach until you are stretched. Ready, Josh? Do you see this? Thank you, Josh. Let me have this in. Yeah, let me have that in. I like this one better. <laughs> the content is in the container. The container has to be open for the content to be realized. You all hear what I'm saying to you? The content does not know its cause until it is uncoiled or unwrapped. Until you uncoil it, until you unwrap it, it does not know its purpose. Some of you are trying to figure out. How God can use you, but you won't unwind. You stay coiled up in your little life. Are y'all in the building? You stay coiled up in your life and you will not let God stretch you out of your coiled position because you feel safe in the container. The cause cannot reach its capacity. Until it's stretched, do you see how hard Christian is working right now? We did this on on purpose, Christian. You were, we set you up because I want you to see. That's you. That's you. God's working on. Look, look, watch how persistent Christian is. Christian is not going to stop until he gets it uncoiled. And this is how God has been working on some of you. Hey. This is how, what happened? This is how God has been working on some of you. Now, here's the question Has it reached its full capacity? No. Thank you. That's good. Right there. Hold it, Christian. Has it reached its full capacity? No. no. Now look, it seems that way, right? Well, watch. It stretched a little more. It still hasn't reached its full capacity. Are y'all with me? But when you get Christ in it, when it's stretched to its limit, it'll flow. Do you see that? Christ can't come out of what will not be stretched. It reaches further the more it's worked on. I think they turned me off. Well, let's see. No, there you go. Look at that. Look at that. That's how Christ is trying to get through you to reach the world. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? And until you're willing to stretch and let Him work out all kinks, let Him work out all of your hardness of heart, let Him work through all of that, then guess what? You'll always remain wrapped up, wound up, and you'll never enjoy the fullness. Of what, so that pain you've been feeling, quit getting mad at people. Quit getting upset with everything. It could be God saying, I'm getting you out of your comfort zone. Okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. Everett Bowen made me mad yesterday. Matter of fact, you all just stand right there. He and I got into a talk about the region, and he said, "Pastor Rig, you you really war in the spirit, don't you?" And I said, "Brother, like you won't believe, I just am that way. I just believe in being apostolic, attacking every devil, everything you know, every generational curse, just getting with it instead of making you comfortable. I'm all about making you uncomfortable." so that you'll go after God like you never have gone after him before. I'm not here to tell you, oh, sweetie, oh, no, 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 no. You've had that your whole life. Why can't you walk up in your house and tell a curse, get out in Jesus' name? I'll leave it there. Y'all can turn it off. But, but watch this. Let me show you something. I said, there's something about this region, that's heart. I have fought harder in two years here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a it's a spirit over this region. There's a spirit over this region. I'm gonna say it again, cause y'all y'all see, you won't say amen because you're comfortable. You're right. <laughs> There's a spirit over this region. Somebody said every time I walk in church, I feel it. It's like a heaviness, and it's a, well, it is. That's not a sign for you to go. Well, I'm just going to go find another little church where I can take my little withered arm and I can just go sit down and nobody bother me. It feels like there's a tear and heaviness and tension. So I'm just going to go here where I can just sit down. And I just keep working with this left arm. And God says, no, 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 no. We're going to fix that. So I start studying. He introduced me to something. I started studying it. Show you what you're fighting in this region. January 30th, 2020. You can take it down, Isaiah. January 30th, 2020. In the books of Norman, something was turned around. You know what it was? Norman is now no longer a sundown town. Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Let me let me be sure I got this right. You telling me, I done walked up into a city and been here two years where there was something in the books of this city that said colored people cannot be out in this city after dark. And y'all just now saying, that's not right. Call it whatever the hell you want to call it but I'm going to tell you what I call it, racism. It's racism. What the hell? What the hell? What kind of hell is that? Let me help you, Norman. That's not okay. It's not okay to wait till 2020 to say, okay, even though we've not been operating in it, we're going to go ahead and remove it from the books now and act like you've done something great. Why didn't you do that in 1965? Oh, I know you're getting pissed off at me now, but that's all right, because I'm just getting the train started. This region is closed to so much stuff. It's closed Theologically it's closed Because this region wants to be taught All the time You don't want no apostolic declaration Up over your life That says you can't live like that no more You can't be committing adultery And homosexuality And sleeping with everybody You can't do that You don't hear that preach Give you another book To make you smile for another three weeks Boy it's quiet in this sanctified church now I'm telling you right now, when I read that, it made me physically nauseated to think that a city could leave that in their books till 2020, and now you're going to apologize? Hell no. You should have done that a long time ago. Let me help you. All y'all that getting mad at me, come on, white people. Come on. Come on. Because I don't give a crap. I'm going to tell you right now. Right. Nothing makes me sicker than that. And you know why? Because it's not the heart of God. That's where Jesus walks in the temple with a whip and starts kicking stuff over. That's where Jesus said, well, what? you do, You doing what? You left that where? And I've been wondering what this region is about. Why is this? Why is this tension all the time? Why is it? What is this? And I realized, first of all, There's a spirit of perversion over this city that is unbelievable to me. People sleeping with each other. It's unreal to me. And acting like everything's okay. Lesbians, homosexuals, and it's just like everything. It's not okay. It's not okay for you to hate people who do not have the same color skin as you have. That's not right. So I told Josh, I'm getting T.W., Shannon, and J.C. watch, and we doing town hall. And then I said, never mind. I can't do that to their career. But I'm telling you right now, I, ooh, this region is a fist. It's a fist. I want what's mine. This is mine. This is my town. This is the way we do it. This is my deal. I'm in control. And it ain't nothing but the devil. Jesus said, "Ephatha." And it's time for this region to get open and quit excusing ourselves by placating Christians with soft teaching that don't command or demand anything of you. You're okay. No, you're not okay. It's not okay for your kids to go to high school, get strung out on drugs, get all jacked up. It's not okay. I'm done. Happy birthday, Pastor Rick. If you're not prejudiced, stand on your feet and give God praise real quick. Come on, if you're not a racist, throw your head back and shout to God with a voice of triumph. Tell your neighbor, we are here for war. We are here for war. We are not coming up in this city with fist, we coming up in this city with open hands to say you're my brother, you're my sister, I love you. Ooh, somebody shouted again stretch out. See, some of you it would be a stretch for you to take somebody to dinner that's a different color than you. That would be a stretch for you. And it should be natural. And we talking about this in 2020 help me. Norman, we coming for you. More, we are coming for you. Oklahoma City, we are coming. We are coming from ancient spirits. Generations have lived here. They're leaving in the name of Jesus. Promiscuity is not all right. Perversion is not all right. Homosexuality is not all right. It's not okay to be racist. Shout it with me. We coming. And we're open in the name of Jesus. I dare you to open up heaven real quick. Let Judah go up out this building. Lord, let there be an open heaven in Norman. Let there be an open heaven in Moore. Let there be an open heaven in Oklahoma City. Lord, help preachers to quit placating people in the middle of their conditions. Help us to preach with power until people are delivered. Come on, I need about a hundred people to give God a crazy praise. Bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. I feel something turning right now. I feel something shifting right now. I hope every devil in this area is listening because we are seated high above all principalities, all powers, all rulers, all authorities in heavenly places. Tell your neighbor we on the right hand, baby. We got authority. In the name of Jesus, I bind every devil. I bind hate, I I bind ridicule, skepticism. I bind it in the name of Jesus. One more time, let the Lord know you love him and let the devil know he's defeated. Give God a praise. Hallelujah. Woo! Woo! Watch this. Hold your hand up high, high as you can, your right hand, and squeeze it as tight as you can. Come on, hold it up and squeeze it. Are you squeezing? Squeeze it as tight as you can squeeze it. Folks, listen. We ought not be preaching to closed places here. We ought not be preaching to closed regions, closed hearts, and closed families. Every time we walk in this building, we ought to be open for us to open the city and get these devils out of this city. Come on in a building. We're here to build a beachhead and drive the devil out in the name of Jesus. This is God's territory. This is God's city. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, squeeze it. Squeeze it. On the count of three, I want you to open it as fast as you can. One, two, three, open it. Do you feel that pain? Did you feel that pain? That's what happens when you've been in a position so long, you've gotten comfortable with it. But today, we open the region, we open the city, we open our families. Because it's pain does not mean it's injury. Shout it with me. Stretch forth your hand.